0: Welcome to the Flying Solo podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish.
1: Hello and welcome to another Flying Solo podcast. Please don't forget if you're listening via iTunes, Kindly give us a brief review of the show if you're liking it, or even if you're not liking it, just tell us. Um, It helps us an awful lot. Um, I should also just remind you that support for this podcast comes from our friends at Sendle, the door-to-door parcel delivery service that's cheaper than the post office. Head to sendle.com forward slash flying solo to get free Sendle premium worth $120 a year, and you'll get an extra dollar off every parcel you send. So. That's got to be pretty good. Now, I'm very excited to be speaking to our guest today, Stuart Brown, a digital marketing specialist who's built a couple of fabulous online businesses, including one of the largest wedding directories in Australia and the number one online gift registry that's trouncing David Jones and Meyer on Google search results. So that's no mean feat. Stuart's learned a lot of things on his journey so far and one of which is don't be fooled by followers so Stuart thank you so much for joining us thanks for having me I'm very excited good so look don't be fooled by followers so I know you've got some stuff to talk about here so what do you mean
2: yeah look um it's something that obviously I spend a lot of time, even in my own sort of leisure time, speaking with people mm. that have their own uh, startups and small businesses, and a really there's typically a couple of really common themes with uh, the way people approach social media, and one mm. of the one of the really common things that comes up is is what I sort of uh, call follower envy. Right. When people set up, typically they set up a Facebook page uh, as their first sort of port of call because it's familiar to them sure. um, and they start, you know, they'll set up their page and they'll start naturally, you know, seeing what their competition are doing mm. on social media and, and, you know, seeing what they're doing and what I'm not doing and pretty quickly it it becomes, it's, it's really common for them to get obsessed over <laughs> the number of followers that, that their competitors have and, you know, I've only got... 50 followers, and they've got 2,000 followers, or whatever the numbers might be. Totally. Look, this must look like you. I
1: I also come across people like that, and indeed, you know, I can't pretend I'm totally uh, free of of that sort of envy. (laughs) (laughs) There's a, I can't remember who said it, there's a lovely saying which, um, I wish I could remember who wrote it, but it says something like that, uh, every time I hear of the success of a friend, a little part of me dies. Which is a very, a very sad little thing. But I think in, in <laughs> business, you know, it does happen, doesn't it? We see, we think, oh my goodness, I'm I'm doing okay. And then you look at someone else and go, Oh, I'm not doing okay. Look what they're doing. So what do you what do you say when someone when someone does do that? Where you know where do you kind of go to next? I mean, you you obviously acknowledging that it happens a lot. What mm. what do you
2: say? Look, it's um it's a really easy, and I'm not I'm not trying to make people feel bad or anything. It's a natural kind of, uh, you know, you jump to the most obvious metric that you can find, and mm. the follower count is put right under your nose there on your Facebook page. Um, and Facebook probably does that deliberately in order to encourage you to, to pay for more followers and build your audience. Well, you don't think so, do you? Oh, look, I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, look, when people start to go down that route, it's the, the immediate thing is you have to remind them of you know, what is the actual goal of your Facebook page yeah. and ultimately what's the value of those followers. Um, we've had many projects and uh, my own projects or other projects for other people that I've worked on where uh, our following has been far smaller than you know your next best competitor yeah. you know we have one page that has 10,000 followers and and your competitor has 100 or 150,000 followers and you you know geez that is so massive how am mm. i ever going to compete with that but then when you start to kind of dig a little bit deeper um, you start to look at things like how engaged the audience is, uh, you know, and then ask some more serious questions like how many of those uh, followers are actually converting into paying customers. Mm. Um, if you have the the biggest social media following in the world, that's that's amazing. But if if it's not earning you any extra uh, revenue for your business, then it What's really the doesn't point? count for anything. Who cares?
1: Yeah, of course. And look, you, you're you're talking a lot about Facebook, and I'm I'm assuming that that you, this is true of, of any social network as well. It could be Twitter, it could be Instagram, it could be anything. You know, the, the, the mm. situation's the same, isn't it? It's not how many people we've got, but what are we doing with them?
2: Absolutely. It's 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 always, no matter what sort of platform, it's always quality over quantity. Mm. Um, I usually speak with regarding with regards to Facebook first because it's familiar to the, the largest number of people. Um, but absolutely, if... If you have uh, 50 followers or 30 followers and they are super – you know, really hyper engaged with your brand and they follow really closely, that's far more valuable than having 5,000 followers that don't really care about what's going on. Mm.
1: So, okay, so let, let's imagine that we've got this, um, you know, this, this hypothetical small business person in front of us and you're having this kind of conversation. So, you know, already they're starting to feel a little relaxed, a little better, you know, as, mm. in, as indeed I am hearing you say all this. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, that's, it's all very well to say that, but then, what? Where would you where would you start them off? So I'm saying, okay, Stuart, I accept that I've only got 50 followers on Facebook. What? How do I? How do I um, increase engagement? How do I uh, use that number to benefit my business? Like, you know, again, where would you? Where's the kind of starting point with mm. with that sort of thing?
2: Yeah. Look, when it's a really good question. When people are sort of starting with social media. Uh, With you know a new startup or small business that they're they're sort of bringing to life, it's really important for me uh, to start with your your content strategy that you're you're going to put onto your social media platform. Right. And a lot of people will go in all guns blazing and start hammering out their uh, their posts, which are all you know we've got this sale on or this promotion. Mm -hmm. Here's our latest product, and that usually falls flat because people in the early stages they need to kind of build up a level of trust with your your brand yep. and people don't follow you on social media so that they can have your promotional material you know shoved in their face every mm-hmm. day they're following you for more of an emotional reason they want to connect with you on a on a deeper level sure. and then after you kind of establish that that trust and they get to know you on that level, um, then people start to become more comfortable with the possibility of of buying from you. Um, it sort of goes goes like that. It's sort of a bit more of a delayed gratification.
1: Yeah, of course. Okay, sure. So, I mean, that's, that, again, that obviously, you know, anyone listening to that is going to go, well, yes, that makes sense. And to a number of businesses, and, you know, we see it, we see it in our forums where someone starts a new business and, comes and blurts out what they're doing mm. you know as if the world is waiting for this new business <laughs> and actually you know, i'm sorry but we're probably not um you know so yes you, it, the, there is that that need to nurture but again if you're talking from um you know a point where maybe people are coming up and they're uh, you know they are promoting they're selling they're doing something every day or you know every hour even what's the kind of frequency how long do you think realistically let, let's take you know, let's imagine a small business that's just starting now, they've got some products and some services to sell. Um, how How long do you think it would take? I mean, this might be an impossible question, but I'll ask it anyway. <laughs> how long does it take to build and nurture that smallish kind of group of people before you can start to promote? Would you say?
2: Yeah, look, it's it is a case by case sort of. It's difficult to give a one size fits all type mm. of an answer there. Um, it can be as little as a few weeks, or maybe even a few months, which it realistically isn't that isn't all that long in the scheme of things. If no. you had to wait three, four, five months before people start to buy stuff as a result of your social media activity, that's not such a big deal. Mm. Um, but Generally, um, I would say, you know, put together an initial content strategy which is designed to nurture those initial followers down the path of becoming more comfortable with you and your brand, the advice or the the tips or the content that you're posting on your, on your uh, social media platform. Yeah. And then after, you, you'll, you'll sort of really quickly get a feel of what people like and what mm-hmm. they don't like. And it doesn't take long to kind of start to tune the type of stuff that you're posting and then be able to just every now and again slip in a promotional, you know, hey, here's this offer once a week, say, for example. And you'll start to see people get more comfortable with transitioning to your website, moving through your shopping cart and things like that. So, it it is sort of very much a, um, you know, uh, test and measure type scenario mm. but it doesn't have to take you know two years to get to that point no
1: so. okay and i get you know the points you're saying there i guess what, what we what we do have particularly with facebook is we do have indicators don't we that people are connecting with what you're saying whether people are liking it or they're posting a comment so again i'm assuming one of the key things that we that we really must do is we we must be kind of all over our social media we don't just post something up and then and then ignore it for a the rest of the week we need i mean we notice this on our comments on our on our website with our contributors and you're one of our fine contributors you mm. know a contributor that responds to a comment quickly and and involved, gets involved in that discussion mm. is likely to create much more of a, of a relationship and engagement with that person so that those are the kind of things we need to be doing i'm guessing
2: absolutely mm. and the um you mentioned sort of not sort of dropping your post and then leaving for a week and just mm-hmm. hoping for the best. The, the insights, putting together the uh, stats and information that uh, the platform insights and I'm imagining Facebook insights in, in my head as I say yeah. this, um, is really critical because, as you say, you can get a really strong idea of you know, the views, the click-throughs, uh, how, much, uh, how, much, how many times it gets shared around and commented on and then once people do start transitioning through to your website to potentially buy something, you can see if you've got Google Analytics which I hope you've got Google Analytics installed, then um, you can see how people are moving through your website whether they you know, click on your post through to your website but then they maybe only get halfway through your shopping cart okay. so you can start to identify issues there. Um, but yeah, it's all about um, testing and, and measuring and, and really sort of looking at what works and what doesn't and sort of optimizing your activity over time. Yeah.
1: And do you, do you get many situations where you have to sit down with someone and say, look, you know what your problem is, is you're not actually writing very well or you're not writing interesting things. I mean, do you find that because not everybody, I mean, far from it, not everybody is, is a competent marketer.
0: You know, Absolutely. And it's yeah. one,
1: one thing to have our business and know about our means of delivering our product or our service. That doesn't mean we're any good at marketing. So, what do you say to those people where they're clearly just not getting it right? I mean, what's the solution there?
2: Yeah, look, it's, it's a great point. There's sort of a, a – for a lot of people, there's kind of a really fundamental mental shift that needs to take place where you go from – thinking of yourself as a business owner when you're, you know, crafting those posts and scheduling them in and and doing all that sort of stuff and and changing where you really take on the mindset of the people that are following your page, what they're actually looking for, the kind of problems that they're trying to solve. And once you make that mental leap, you're able to much more easily – You know, communicate in a language that they're going to respond to because you kind of understand the issues that they're facing. And if you're still struggling to come up with that on your own, then you can absolutely look at. Uh, competitors' pages that are doing success, doing uh, you know quite well, yep. or even if they're not directly your competitors, you can sort of. There's plenty of case studies from similar industries or you know comparable businesses that you can look up and see what they're doing on social media and, and take a few um, a few plays out of their book and go. I'm going to adapt that that sort mm. of strategy to to what I'm doing and just kind of you don't have to reinvent the wheel just kind of adapt what someone else is doing
1: yeah okay so your response there really is is you've got to learn you know you've got to look at what other people are doing read what other people are doing emulate to a degree what other people are doing what you've not said um is is go and find someone to do it for you is that is that because you feel that as sort of solo small businesses do we should we be doing this ourselves or what what are your thoughts on, on outsourcing that task?
2: Look, um, I would say when it comes to outsourcing, if you have the resources to outsource to professionals that you know can get it done quickly, then then do that. Because mm. my, my personal belief is your time is better spent doing, you know, working on the things that you're an expert at and that yeah. may not be social media. Yeah. Um, but for many small business owners, they not they're sort of not at that level where they have the capability to to you know employ someone to do that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. they don't have the funds, and so f- until they get to that level, they grow to that point. They do kind of have to take that on, and so there is that that learning curve. So yeah, I would mm-hmm. say if you if you can outsource it, do so. Uh, but if if you don't, then yeah, try to learn. The best practices that you can from people that are already doing it successfully.
1: Yeah, I think I I, I, I agree with what you're saying, and I do I, certainly. I think if we're outsourcing anything as well, we need to know what we're doing before we outsource it, or else it's you know it's more like abrogation of responsibility than it is mm. outsourcing, and that that r- rarely ends well. Yeah. Um. But so watching other people, watching what they're doing, looking at the analytics, understanding <clears> what's happening. What about um, also you know I was reading some research recently about not not just about startup businesses but about business in general and the businesses that that um don't succeed and happily you know the numbers are, are not as, as woeful as some people would would have us believe but often the businesses that don't work uh they fail because there's just not a market there mm. there's just not enough people for the products or service that they're selling so to what extent do you feel um that some small businesses are kind of hiding a little bit um, from their customers on social media, as opposed to sitting down with four or five of them and talking and understanding. I mean, do you do you sort of advocate for face to face connection with potential customers more and more, or what's your
2: thoughts there? You know, it's a funny kind of a thing, and uh, this is something which comes up. I'm part of a, a bunch of different small business Facebook groups and. Mm. You, you sort of listen to the discussions that are happening and it it makes me really sad in a way when you hear someone say, oh, I've got this uh, idea and I've run it past my friends and my family. They all say it's really awesome, uh, but, you know, it's not going so well. I'm not really sure what's going on. Um, to which this, the, the kind of – well, for me, the obvious response is um, – basically ignore what your friends and family say because they're always gonna say nice things.
1: Well they're either but, yeah, what I found friends and family either say nice things or they say incredibly destructive things. But they well, that's, that's true. They yes. very rarely say things that are sort of level.
2: Yeah, anyway. yeah. That's absolutely right. And I think one way or another you have to have a way of canvassing real people who actually might purchase whatever you're selling. Mm. Um, I've personally never sat down with, you know, got a bunch of random people in a room and, you know, done a a sort of a a survey like that. The only way that I've ever uh, sort of tested a business idea to see if it's viable is to literally create... a website and get yeah. a, get a platform to a point, even if it's not totally finished, and then start advertising and see how people respond to mm-hmm. those ads. So, obviously, the downside to doing that is you have to spend a little bit of money to do that, but it doesn't have to be massively expensive by any means. Um, but it's a great way to get a real, a really brutally real indication of if your idea has legs or not because if people, let's say you run some ads on, on Facebook or you put some, some AdWords ads up and no one responds to it, well, it's a yeah. bummer but the silver lining is you're going to save yourself a lot of, of time, effort, money and, and heartache.
1: Yeah look I think that, I think that's a great response and that probably shows just the, the the distinction between my slightly old school thinking and and your positively not old school thinking but, <laughs> um you know which is probably an age thing but let's not go there but um yeah I think it's a great idea that, and the the beauty of um of running facebook ads or again you know ads on other social networks is they are low cost and we can ch- test a headline and we can sit back and fairly you know fairly quickly see is this connecting with anyone or isn't it and um you know as you say it it can cost a bit but my goodness it's it's probably not much more than you know renting a room and and shouting sandwiches for half a dozen people it's 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 you know we're not talking big money here so um when you when you work with with people uh, let's say you're working with someone who's you know there might be somebody listening who's on the verge of starting something maybe you've finished a you know, a career and decided, right, now's the time I'm going to try something on my own and get started in the kind of direction that you're talking about. Let's imagine that it's running and things are ticking over. Um, in terms of ongoing sort of nurturing, whether it's I'm – not, I'm not thinking about you as, as necessarily as, as, as someone in a consultative role, but mm. as someone running that business – you know, it, does it ever get to a total sort of set and forget? You know, one post every two days, blah, 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 blah. Do we just commit? Can it be that straightforward? Or to what extent do we need to be in there, you know, shifting, finessing, changing, amending? You know, what's your thoughts there?
2: Well, are we talking specifically with regards to social media? Yeah, or? I think I think we
1: should at this stage, yeah. yes. Yeah.
2: Well, I've, I have had – well – I don't think I've ever had a scenario where it's truly just schedule your posts and just walk, you know, come back next month when you have to schedule the next month. It's never been like that because if your posts are effective, you're going to have people sharing and commenting and doing all sorts of stuff and you want to at minimum, be responding to some of those comments and listening to the conversations and seeing, you know, because inevitably you'll gain some insights about, oh, hey, I'd like to see more of this or, oh, so-and-so is doing that. You can learn some valuable lessons to improve what you're doing. So, if you, even if you were super successful and you just set your post up and walked away and didn't come back for another month, uh, you'd be missing some opportunities there for sure. Mm. Um, So, that that being said, um, you can have, aside from the inability potentially to respond to those uh, comments and messages and whatnot online, it is certainly possible to get things to a point where you can schedule your posts or your content uh, over time and have a huge degree of confidence that you're going to get a certain amount of results, uh, either in terms of interaction or indeed financially through sales of your online store and things like that. Uh, There was a project that I worked on uh, probably three or four years ago now. It was an online retail store and those posts would be completely scheduled uh, a month in advance. And uh, once they started ticking over, I would basically come and monitor comments and see what you know if anyone had any problems, but aside from that, it was just basically wait and, and watch the the sales come in and mm. it generated a quite, quite a predictable level of sales. Uh, every month uh, consistently nice. so that was that was quite good so it definitely mm. is possible to get it to that kind of a level
1: yeah okay so it, it is possible but again what i s- sort of heard in the background there is but, but you've got to keep an eye on it and and you know that that's how it is isn't it i mean i think that happily you know i remember oh, probably 10 years ago now everybody was talking about passive income every second sentence had passive income <laughs> as a phrase in it mm. and um and i'm frankly i don't think i ever really believe that there's such a thing because I think for anything to work, it takes some effort and it takes some um, monitoring. And, you've, you know, the businesses that succeed are the ones where somebody is there keeping an eye on things and is mm-hmm. adjusting and improving. So going, just going back to, to yourself and, and some of the, the, the websites that you built, do you still have ownership in either of those big directories?
2: Absolutely, yeah. yeah you do. Um, okay. So the directory and the uh, the gift registry are uh, definitely uh, still uh, owned by myself and my wife. She's okay. a co-founder, so yeah. um, must give some credit to her as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> she'll be very so. mad if, if I didn't. If I just claimed all the credit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and so just give it, if you would just a snapshot of of, of uh, sort of a typical week for you. So your you're running a couple of your own businesses with your wife, who clearly does. I think we've all picked it up. She obviously does most of the work there and is the <laughs> real brains behind the businesses, which is great. Just Definitely. give her that shout out. So, um, how much of your time do you spend in those? And how much, you know, how, how, what does a typical week sort of look like for you?
2: Uh, they are relatively uh, touch wood, low maintenance. Okay. Um, because. Well, I guess it comes down to partly the nature of the service. They right. both, uh, both of those services are entirely digital service related. So there's, okay. when someone spends money, there's no physical product that is actually sent to them. It's all uh, digital services. So, that automatically Mm. cuts down all the potential, you know, legwork with uh, delivering physical objects, um, which is one of the main motivating factors of why I chose to start those businesses in the beginning. Um, Because we were chasing the uh, passive income dream just like everybody else was. Yeah, yeah. So, um, a typical week is, well, there's a lot of, email correspondence that goes goes uh, between uh, myself, my wife and you know the other people that we have uh, who do work on the, the business, off-site developers and okay. uh, people who do that kind of work. So, that's
1: kind of backroom management of, of, of both those businesses.
2: Definitely. So, yeah. I use a, a, a really nice piece of project management software uh, called Podio okay. and that basically enables me to log any support issues and automatically delegate them to the appropriate person. Uh, It enables me to keep track of external content contributors and make sure all that stuff is going Mm. on track so it really is enables me to as much as possible sort of step away and just make sure that things are kind of ticking over uh the way they should be And, and most of the time unless something really serious comes up i can do just about all of it from my phone yeah that's brilliant so
1: you've clearly designed those businesses with that picture in mind and you're you're now in that position you're in you're enjoying enjoying the fruits of of your kind of your own design and development there so when you look at a business like that though um can you look sort of i don't know 10 years ahead is that do do you see is that business has it got a long life those businesses or do you is it going to adjust is it going to change or is it not kind of something you worry about too much
2: no i'm um i'm a big time uh, meddler with spreadsheets. So <laughs> <laughs> that's probably where I have to discipline myself not to spend too much time in, in dreamland right. um, because obviously all these projects start off in sort of, uh, you know, a, a test phase where I'm deciding whether they're going to go the distance or I'm going to kill it off. Um, and so when they start showing some promise, definitely I'm sort of extrapolating uh you know, growth predictions and figuring out, okay, well, if we expand like this in one year or five years, this is where we might be hmm. and sort of making those long-term vision plans. And right. the benefit of doing that is when I have sort of a five-year plan, then I break that down and, you know, this is where I want to be in five years, then I sort of segment that down into one year and 12 months and it can literally drill down into my monthly and weekly goals and things that I want to have done to keep me on track.
1: Fantastic. That's so good to hear that. Brilliant. So you're working on those, you've got those, you say, very, very tightly run. um, And and I love to hear you're a spreadsheet kind of guy. That's most (laughs) impressive. Um, And you've got a clear sort of path ahead for those. So if, if someone listening to this is saying, well, yes, that's all great, I want some of that, I want to be able to build a business like that, do you work with people in that way as well? Do you support them on, and, and I, I generally don't know the answer to this, do you support people in a consultative role?
2: Um, look, The most, most of the time, my consulting type roles are more hands on executing when people or coordinating work when people are looking to outsource. Yeah. I I do do some uh, sort of consultative stuff when people are in those really early stages, but generally it's more sort of a, Generally, I have those conversations for free, to be quite yeah, honest, okay. because they're they're quite stimulating for me. I get mm. really excited, and I'm always been really a bit sort of. Um, add when it comes to bright shiny new things right um so i find them really fun those conversations i get really pumped up for other people um and generally they kind of happen over you know dinner and a cup of glass of wine or something yeah, okay. like that i don't at this point sort of you know make money out of those kind of no things. okay
1: so you've got a real passion for business by the sounds mm. of it where just my sort of final question where does that come from
2: uh look i've got a say that my dad I, I don't know whether he um deliberately did this he's very he's exactly like this and so i think obviously being you know partly his genetic code in me and also just growing up and he, he was always a really if you've got an idea well you know let's have a go don't he never ever was someone to say oh no you can't do that because of x y z he was always really Enthusiastic about trying new stuff, and he's in his mid-sixties, and he's still exactly the same. He's been a a handyman his whole life, and just a couple of months ago, this this mid-sixty, you know, sixty-five-year-old guy starts up this uh, starts a cleaning business, and it's going gangbusters now. So he's he's been like that his whole life, and I guess just being around him, it just kind of you know rubbed off. I guess
1: fantastic. That's that's so good to hear. Yeah. More times than, than not, you know, I blame the parents. So that's that's, <laughs> that's great news. Look, Stuart, it's been great having you here. So, um, people listening who'd like to contact Stuart, learn more about what he's doing, and, and maybe. Try indeed to get one of those um, coffee chats with him going. Uh, <laughs> just head to stuartbrown.com.au. That's S-T-U-A-R-T, stuartbrown.com.au. So you'll see Stuart's work on Flying Solo. And uh, I would just say one more time that support for this podcast comes from Sendal, the door-to-door parcel delivery service that's cheaper than the post office. Head to sendle.com forward slash flying solo to get free sendal premium worth $120 a year so Stuart it's been terrific thank you so much for sharing your time with the flying solo community and I look forward to reading your next piece sometime soon I hope
2: thanks so much
1: thank you
0: and that's where we'll leave this show from flying solo and your host Robert Gerrish we'd love to receive feedback even a brief review for those listening via iTunes